Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something, Mean Something. We are here live on Discord with some of our patrons. Lovely to see all of your familiar faces. If you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah, I, I muted myself as you did your intro because I had to uh, use my little Amazon device to turn off the air conditioning. This is one of those uh, sweltering episodes. You know, we, we can't have that running, can we? We can't have the buzz in the background. So this is just one of the sacrifices that we have to make to bring you entertainment. That's right. And and it's fittingly, I, I would like to talk about sacrifice. So I'm glad you you introduced that word to the conversation, because that's largely what <laughs> this discussion will be about, actually. Who who are we sacrificing today? Who are we are um Is there an altar upon which we sacrifice? Uh, I think most people, I think almost everyone is getting sacrificed <laughs> today, unf- oh, okay. unfortunately, for the majority of human uh, society. Uh, you know, you're ripe for having your heart ripped out in a uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom yeah. style scenario. So that but the, the topic really has to do with being like a truly like unbelievably useful and helpful and kind person because that is a really rare thing these days i mean i don't know what it was like 40 years ago uh, but it seems very very rare today and the reason that i think that it's rare is because there have been a couple of instances in which uh, one of which i heard a story from someone that i know and then another one was just an experience that i had recently where it stood out when someone was so selfless and sacrificed their kind of time and energy so willingly that it was shocking to me and i and i just i just couldn't believe it it's like wow people like that exist well i do have some perspective on on what 40 years ago was like because i am still there i mean <laughs> I, like i <laughs> i uh i don't think anything has really changed uh where i am since like 1971 uh so there's there's still a sense and i and i've forgotten anything modern too by the way rip to little tay who i had to ask uh the discord who little tay was today that gives you a sense gives you a sense of of where i'm at in the timeline <laughs> okay all right well let me, let me tell you the first uh story of the two, uh, this is the the better of the the two stories because this was just so unbelievable to me. I was like, this seems like a movie. This seems like a, a, an episode of some kind of like saccharine Hallmark movie moment, but it was real life. So about a month ago or so, I was I was talking to a friend of mine who said that he was driving on the highway and something happened where the back of his car basically fell apart. 
<laughs> like what? Yeah, it like exploded. I don't know what the issue. I think maybe it was like a drivetrain issue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't like he got a flat tire. It was like the car crumbled into pieces as he was going like 70 miles per hour on a highway something like exploded in the back i don't i don't even really i'm not a car guy i don't know what transpired exactly to cause this issue i think a lot has to be wrong for that <laughs> i'm not a car guy either but it's yeah. like what, what you described is not within the realm of of like oh this thing failed this thing went wrong no no this is beyond that yeah 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 his muffler didn't fall off it was like something i think with the drivetrain uh maybe that fell off and then it's just kind of spinning in the back and it's causing other things to erupt i don't know but essentially he had like a catastrophic uh error with his car on the highway that rendered it completely useless <laughs> needless to say and uh he like miraculously was able to pull off to the side of the road you know didn't like flip the car or anything like that didn't hit anybody which were all like distinct possibilities when the back of your car ex oh, yeah. explodes on the highway suddenly. <clears throat> what you described sounds like it could have been really as bad as it gets. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. As far as car problems, yeah, the, the, the back of it exploding is, is probably peak car problem. So anyway, he, uh, he safely pulled over, you know, to the shoulder on the highway and unprompted some dude with an empty flatbed pulls over and you know asks him where he's going and if he could <laughs> and, and if, and if he and if he can help him out so he was in the boston area which you are extremely familiar with matt yeah um and this friend of mine was driving from boston to cooperstown new york so uh okay. what is that about a four hour drive four hours uh it's yeah it, it depends on on how you take it C can i tell you like a 30 second story about that yeah um when i was in college i drove home uh for the day i i actually i had to go to the dmv um and i wanted to be quite quick about it and so i went faster than i normally would and as i'm i'm doing this like i get to albany which is uh about the two-thirds point in this trip i'm looking at the clock and i realize okay this is you know on a good day it's about four hours and usually you stop or something or take it easy and it's four and a half well i'm doing the math on this i'm like i'm on a three-hour pace i really was going fast the whole time <laughs> and and i thought i can i can do this in under three hours. This is the only time in my life I'm going to be able to make a shot at this. And, and I, I felt like I was the guy who, what is it? Roger Bannister who broke the four minute mile with, <laughs> with running. I, I felt like him in, in a, uh, uh Toyota Corolla <laughs> and I, I zoomed it, you know, I zoomed it, but like with half an hour left, I really, really had to go to the bathroom like really badly. And if I stopped, I, I wasn't going to make it, you know, I wasn't going to make the three hours. I'm like, all oh, this is completely in vain. Uh, well, I, I, I rolled into my parents' driveway and I had such a hard time getting out of the car because that's how badly it hurt from having, from needing to go to the bathroom. 
And, and I like stumbled behind the garage and peed <laughs> before I even went in the house. It was, oh, it, it really was painful, but I made it in two hours and 59 minutes. And I never speeded again, to be honest. Uh, in, in like 20 years, I've never gone more than like five miles over the speed limit. So I gave one go at it and then retired. And retired, yeah. But I mean, not for nothing, but I don't know how committed you were to this when you didn't just you know, go to the bathroom in your pants, like the, like the marathon runners who just like have di yeah. diarrhea down their leg as they continue running the marathon. Like, isn't that a, it's, it's part of your commitment to, to the race. Yeah. I mean, I was holding it successfully though. <laughs> it, it was right. And I, and I think that's right. the, the calculus at that point is like, do you, would you rather have the pain from holding it or do you want to just, you know, blow through? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it, it worked out in the end. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could, pee in that situation actually i don't know if like my bladder would release just sitting like that in a driver's seat i don't know i feel like it's like locked i don't know i don't know now we're just in like there, pee conversation there's a point yeah there's a point at which it it unlocks, it unlocks. and it's not up to you <laughs> yeah the dam breaks <laughs> yeah that's right the, the floodgates open right um yeah. All right. So here's. So anyway, it's about a four hour trip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what, all I was wondering. It's about a four hour trip. Okay. So here, here's the rest of this story, which I mean, you probably can fill in the blanks from here because I've set it up to suggest that this person was essentially a guardian angel. But this guy, yeah. um, you know, picks up my friend's exploded car on the side of the highway in Boston, unprompted. It's not like he called him. He just saw him and pulled over loads up this you know broken car onto his flatbed he had just like dropped off cars in boston and he had to drive back to atlanta with this empty oh, with this so empty was, flatbed so he was going most of the way there that's good yeah so so from his perspective you know he saw this as let me help this guy out i have an empty Might flatbed well. this is what i do and it's on my way you know right which it's kind of on the way i mean it is a it is like a full day out of your way to drive to cooperstown to try to the middle of central new york um rather yeah. than just driving down you know whatever 90 or whatever that highway is straight down right that's several uh, hours out right. of the way both ways um yeah it well yeah it it's not so bad. I mean, like when you said that he was going to Atlanta, I'm like, okay, well, he's at, he's at least going all the way through Massachusetts on 90 to about Albany, and right. then maybe he would take I-87 down. You know, it. But even that would be fantastic. It gets you know, it gets somebody 70 miles from home. Like if if he dumped everything in Albany, right? If I'm that, if I'm the, if, if it's my car, I'm thrilled. You know, so no matter what the guy did, even if he went zero miles out of his way, it would have been a, a huge help, a huge help. And that's not what he did. What he did was he kept, he kept going all, all, all the way. The way. He went to his house and unloaded wow. the exploded car at his house. Okay. Then wow. refused any form of payment for his services. Just, just, no, I don't want anything like, you know. I'm good. So, of course, you know, my friend eventually convinced him to take some cash and he also put him up in a nice hotel for the night because wow. he had to do something for the guy. It was just so ridiculous. 
Yeah. So that's that's you know the the first story that I have of just like that's an amazing thing. It, it just is. You don't you don't yes. expect that. I think what you what you really do expect instead is you got to call some tow truck company. They milk you for every dime you're worth because they can, and you're desperate. So you pay like a gabillion dollars to some you know angry schlub who's hungover and uh, <laughs> hates his life. Yeah. I mean, that seems like the standard scenario how that plays out. It is, and even the good way that it plays out is you call something like AAA, and they dispatch to a nearby place, and they will, uh, you know, as part of your membership, tow you. Uh, to really the nearest shop or if you have the upgraded one they do something like 50 miles but but still so like that gets him off the road it gets his car in a place and he has to figure a lot of things out like now what (laughs) right so in in the best case scenario where where people are helping you you've got uh, the adequate resources to do it you planned for this you still have a really big problem to figure out and by taking by taking him all the way home um that left him with one problem, which is what do I do with this hopelessly broken car? There's no way around that, right? But it it reduced everything to just that as a problem. Not how am I going to get home? Not where am I going to go? Uh, it's a it, total game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the other um, kind of like less Hallmark movie story that I have was, was just a recent experience that I had. Um, trying to buy something at Lowe's of all places. Now, okay. I have had a lot of pretty bad experiences trying to buy things at these big box hardware stores. In, in, in my personal anecdotal experience, usually the people that I deal with there are not super friendly, not super helpful, not exquisitely knowledgeable. They're just there for a paycheck. You know, they show up when they have to. They are trying to just kill time until they can leave. That's that's been the majority of my experience dealing with people who have that job. I've had much better experiences in terms of people being uh, having a really good attitude and being helpful. They've still been they've still been low knowledge, uh, which in a store like that, you can't really be high knowledge about much. It covers literally everything that you could ever use inside and outside your house and then some. And maybe you find uh, the person who is in their section. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe you find the the person who specializes in, you know, that aisle and then they can truly help. But generally, you know, no. Um, So it's it's been a mixed bag for me in that sense. Uh, but it's easy to to take that you know out of your zone plus maybe lowish knowledge, and then if you throw a bad attitude on that, it's a really all around miserable experience for you. Yeah, like uh, for for an example of kind of the other end of this is that recently I I just wanted to buy a flashlight. I pull a person aside. Hey, where are your flashlights? They tell me to download the app and like look it up on the app to find where the flashlights are. I'm like, okay, okay. that blows. <laughs> like, I guess I'm on my own here. Thanks a lot for your assistance. B L O W E apostrophe. S blows. So conversely, I had this experience last week where this guy, you know, I pull him aside. Hey, I want to get this thing. 
Um, the box looks damaged. You know, the thing looks like it's on sale. Is it on sale because it's damaged? This this end will end up being like a really long story, so I don't want to get into every detail of it. But this guy had such an unbelievably helpful, kind, positive attitude. I spent like half an hour with him. We did all kinds of things, looked all over the store. He he grabbed a manager for me, asking if they could honor a uh, a sales price that was an out of date sales sticker. They said they would. Then he opened up a register for me so that he could personally check me out so that he uh, made sure that I got this sale price. Then he helped me out to the car. The thing didn't fit in my car. So he helped me take it out of the box and stick it in my car. Then he got rid of all of like the garbage and the styrofoam and stuff for me. He's like, don't worry, I'll take care of that. I bought two of them. So I had to leave, drop one off, come back, and then he did the same process over with me again the second time. Helped me th with the thing out to the car, pulled it all out, helped me, you know, safely get the thing in there without damaging it, and then took all the garbage away. So obviously then I'm like, are you allowed to take tips at Lowe's? Because <laughs> <laughs> if anyone deserves a tip in the history of customer service, it's you, because this has been like a ridiculous amount of help to me and uh he said no so i said <laughs> well then definitely you know don't look in my car because there's definitely not cash on the seat that you should definitely not <laughs> not take <laughs> and he was like okay i definitely won't do that um because i figure there's like probably cameras all over the lowe's parking lot so i didn't want to just like hand him cash anyway those were my two stories of recently encountering like ridiculously helpful people who had a great attitude about it, were very selfless, did these things for no good reason other than it's the right thing to do, whatever that means. And that's kind of like what I really wanted to, to discuss conceptually is um, why should anybody do that? You know, because I think that the default assumption is like, well, people don't appreciate it or... You know, one thing, one trade-off of being overly like nice and helpful to people is you can get taken advantage of, um, which I definitely know that uh, you have felt that way before with some of the things that you've been helpful with for other people. Um, but that's, that, you know, yeah. that's kind of part of the deal of being like a really useful person. It is. It is. And it, what what I think most people fail to recognize uh, w with this <laughs> is that there's actually a really critical role being the person who is helped, right? This is a huge component to make the helpful person, uh, have an easy time, feel good about helping, uh, whatever it's, it's rarely a case where it's totally one-sided, you know, and you can look at somebody doing this really awesome, amazing thing. Um, and not really see the person they helped making it easy for them, you know? And so uh, when we talk about uh, why should you be a helpful person, you know, there's another, another aspect to it, which is like, how do you receive help? <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's something that you would have to talk about. Uh, but you know, there, there are always two parties on this kind of thing. You know, there's a socket and a plug. And both of them have to uh, 
have to work. I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, You'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. So uh, what are you suggesting? That um, it takes effort or recognition to um, be grateful of a help of someone who's helping you to appreciate it? And like that's an important part to be like a grateful receiver of charity yeah but even before that you have to want to receive it okay. you have to want to receive help there there are a lot of people who sincerely do not want to be helped in any way um you know there's going back to your lowe's example uh there's a, a scene it's got to be in parks and recreation because it's it's nick offerman doing his you know like superman character you know where he's ron swanson uh, uh, Ron Swanson, that's right. I was kind of coming up with the name. Uh, anyway, he's in one of those stores and a guy walks up to him and and I think he starts to say, how can I help you or something? And he just cuts him off with like, I know more than you. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> he, he does not want to be helped in, in Home Depot. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and that's, that's kind of funny, but like, you know, if somebody, if there's some car emergency, like you described or some medical emergency, people are amenable to to being helped uh but in the the less pressing cases oh they they really tend not to want it they are not interested uh that's that's its own problem there's you can't have helpful charitable useful whatever kind of people if uh other people don't let them do their thing um it's so anyway, there, there are two sets of responsibilities there. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought about that. Um, but I was just watching an episode of hoarders yesterday and oh, this is yeah. exactly like the extreme example of what you're talking about is that if anyone has ever yes. watched the, the, the show hoarders or hoarders, extreme hoarders, buried alive, whatever, if you are familiar with people who hoard, they do not want help cleaning up their houses. No, uh, they want you to no, no, leave no. them alone, and they want to live in their disgusting, rat-infested, spider-infested, garbage from floor to ceiling house. That's what they want. And you trying to yes. quote unquote help them 
in there. I mean, in, uh, the quotes are for the, the, you know, the estimation of the perception of the hoarder themselves. Um, yeah, they, they reject that outright. That's right. They can't handle it. They don't want it. It, it is not just the, it, it really is the opposite of help to them. It is harm. It is harm. Yeah. This person who's coming in and doing what to most people is an extremely helpful thing that is definitely good for them. In, in many of those hoarders episodes, there is a severe health issue uh, that that comes from the hoarding, whether it's um, uh, not just air quality, but, you know, cleanliness, stuff like that, to simply uh, somebody who's older, infirm in some way. Well, EMTs can't get in. They can't get in to help them. If you, if you had to call 911, what's going to happen? Literally, nobody can help you. So, you know, it's obvious that it's a good thing to unlock uh, those, those services, but the person is saying, no, you're actually destroying my life. So it is, yeah, that is the issue I'm talking about on the craziest scale, you know, on like the most extreme, uh, version of it. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I, I just rather do this thing on my own or whatever. And some people would much rather fail on their own or have a mediocre result than a better result where they got helped. You know, there's, there's a lot mentally that goes on with both sides of helping. Yeah, yeah. And another thing um, that's important to bring up is people who are too helpful can then mm. um, basically develop a learned helplessness uh, in, like, instantiate learned helplessness in the person who's used to someone else doing everything all the time. Right. That's also not not healthy, um, you know. For, right. for the, everyone, the codependent stuff creeps in uh, as well. This this was actually demonstrated extremely well in the whale. If uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people saw that movie. Brendan Fraser, you know, was so popular, and he had uh, he did so well in in the main role there, uh, but. This this exact tension uh, is there with uh, his, his sort of sister in law uh, who is is helping him in in a nursing capacity, you know. And uh, at times she's really upset that she has to do this and that he won't go to a hospital. Um, it, it makes you wonder: uh, is is she doing the right thing? Uh, to what degree does she? enable him to what degree does does he have a right to do what he wants uh it gets really complex when you start dealing with other people and actually on this exact issue i'm gonna i'll pop this video into uh the episode chat uh this is my one shot kevin for self-promotion okay Ooh. uh because this this really is the foundation of a video that i did uh, with uh, the Foundation for Economic Education about about hoarders and where one person's uh, one person's rights stop and uh, the others begin, it's really dicey. Um, you know what responsibility does a, a son or a daughter have to get their parents out of a dangerous situation, even if the parents don't want it? Uh, what you know. What about neighbors who want a rat infestation to go away? Uh, they are happy to help somebody clean their yard, uh, but not if that person doesn't want their yard to be clean. I mean, 
it gets really, really messy. Uh, and it's a, an extension of exactly this concept, this concept of, of helping. Uh, and one thing that I found is that, you know, there's this, this Twittery, reddity, angsty worldview that sucks, that, that seems to think everybody is really selfish and awful and the world is a, a shitty place. In my experience, there are a lot of people who, who are happy to help with things. Uh, many people who need it make it very difficult for those, those others to help. You know, it's a, a, a separate issue there. Yeah. On the topic of enabling that, that the extreme example of that would be a show like intervention that every single episode, mm. if you watch one episode of intervention, you've watched all of them because it's the same exact yeah. thing over and over and over again. Uh, someone is enabling an addict to continue being an addict, whether it's by giving them a place to live, giving them money, driving them to the store to buy the alcohol that they need. That, that's the dynamic. It's always that way. So someone is, in that instance, being helpful to a degree that is actually harmful, right? Yeah, it, it gets dicey. And, yeah. and it is complex and it is hard to figure out. But um, but I, I, I want to bring it back to just uh, trying to be a useful, helpful person in general, being something to strive for because uh, anyone that you look up to or admire is essentially doing something that they kind of don't have to for the sake of bringing it into the world. So uh, that's abstract. So let me just give you like a really specific example. Let's let's talk about Captain Disillusion, okay? Mm, okay. Captain Disillusion for years has been making these ludicrously beautiful and time-intensive videos explaining how VFX work, okay? Why? Why has he been doing that? Because he he wants to. Like he if he doesn't do it, who will? And essentially the answer is really no one. I mean, no one else really makes Captain Disillusion videos. So if he stops, they stop. And I mean that like conceptually, like no one else is really making a video that's anywhere near the ballpark of what he does, which is just an absolutely like unrelenting passion for understanding and explaining visual effects and pouring just a ridiculous amount of his talent and intelligence and experience in that genre into those videos. And you see this all the time. It's, it doesn't have to be with YouTube. It could be with you, Matthew Tabor, mowing the side of a road that you don't own. Because, oh, yeah. Right? This is the same thing. This yeah. is my point, is that this, this no, no, no. Is yeah. a, could be manifest in so many different ways, this concept, this principle. Right. So, so I, um, you know, I, I have been mowing the lawn at my parents' house, which is about a mile away, and I just drive the garden tractor down there because, number one, I don't have a way to tow it. <laughs> I drive an Impreza. <laughs> So it's not like I can hook uh, uh, a huge trailer up to it or anything. And it's like 10 or 12 minutes to to drive down there. And it's pretty pleasant. Um, but I'm like, well, hey, I'm driving down there. The uh, the county and the town 
uh, depending on which road I'm on, they they are just useless at cutting uh, the weeds. I don't know what the actual thing is. I've seen them do it, but it's it's like a huge blade that sticks out. Have you ever seen this, Kevin? Yeah, I know exactly what you're you know, talking about. You see it on highways all the time. Yeah. 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 Well, they do it once a year. They they finally did it in July, uh, but weeds grow pretty fast. You know, in, in one month, uh, they can grow two feet. Uh, so, you know, it's like it, it looked awful uh, growing into the into the road. A lot of people walk on the, the roads around here. Um, and if they can't walk on the side of the road, they have to walk literally in the road. You know, that sucks. Uh, but also, I like to be able to see small animals, rabbits, squirrels and cats for the most part, uh, a few feet before they're, they're in the road. And I can't do that if the weeds are all grown up. So it, it just makes it a little bit, it reduces the chances that you're going to hit a small animal if you can see it five feet sooner. So I'm already driving there and back. Why don't I engage the deck and, uh, you know, keep this stuff under control? Um, you know, th- this last weekend I went down an adjacent an intersecting road, uh, you know, went down that way a spell and then came back to hit the other side of the road, uh, and then went past where I live and, and turned around. And I, I also really like the fact that it's cut and clean because it looks like somebody actually cares about living on this hill. That's a really important thing to me is that it's important that it looks like somebody gives a shit. <laughs> and this this goes into a lot of things that we've talked about. Like it's at the core of the uh, the dressing like a schlub conversation. It's like, hey, if you put yourself together in a reasonable way, it looks like you are you know in control of things and actually care about yourself. Uh, this is really similar to me. Uh, where how can you expect anybody else to take any pride in uh, what they do? Uh, keeping a place up, whatever, if, if it's clear that nobody else cares. Well, if one person cares, that, that's a good start, you know? And so what is this? It takes me an additional, you know, hour a week as I listen to Def Leppard. Uh, <laughs> like, it, this is not the worst thing in the world, you know? And it has, it's really nice. I actually, uh, I forget where I, oh, oh, I went to the bank the other day. And as I came back, when that section of the road started where it was like crisp and mowed, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cool. This is really neat that all of a sudden you get this like kept up kind of thing. I'm like, oh, well, it does look like somebody cares. You know, that's just not that's that's just not even a, a sacrifice of time or energy. I mean, theoretically. I probably burn three quarters of a gallon of gas. So that's like $2 and 50 cents. You know, if I really try to figure out what this, you know, costs me. Yeah. It's a couple bucks. Uh, so <laughs> who cares? You know, I'm actually happy to do it because it would certainly cost the, the local governments. They'd, they'd find a way to make that $2 and 50 cents, you know, $500 and, and the outcome would suck anyway. You know, they're awful at it. They're they're useless. Uh, so for two dollars and half an hour, I can do something that even if nobody else cares, I like it. I think it. I like the way that looks, and I, it makes me a little bit happier. Uh, hopefully, 
hopefully some of those other people are a little bit happier with it too. Well, they are. You heard through the grapevine that like there's a buzz in the area about you mowing this side of the road. I mean, right? You have heard yeah. this from people. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, my mom got a phone call about it. So there is confirmation no, that's, that other that's people nice. notice. And and um what you said about like one per I think one person caring makes way more of a difference than we generally recognize. Like, because, you know, everybody's world, when you think about it, so we think the world is so huge, especially because of the internet and social media that we're connected to all of these people. But really, when you talk about your core world, which is, you know, you and your closest friends and family, it's small. You're, you're actually, I mean, watch the, uh, watch the Dunbar's number video, please. The invention of yeah. friends on Vsauce 2. Um, because you'll see that, yeah, you know, your inner circle of people that really love you and you love them is tiny. I mean, it's five people, maybe like, uh, like the upper end, much. like the upper end of this is like 20 people. Uh, that's like the high end of that concentric circle. It's not a lot of people. So all of a sudden, if one person starts doing something selflessly that helps everybody else, it's it it makes a huge difference and it's and it's infectious. And I think it's and it's certainly infectious the other way as well. If just nobody gives a crap about anything, then that yes. it sends ripples to everyone around them and things get bad really quick in that scenario. It does. It, so the negative part is very much what the the uh, broken windows theory is like. Now, this was really popular in the '90s, a sociological thing that was then applied to to policing, uh, where uh, policing and taking care of little problems it helps prevent the big ones. And they called it broken windows because it's like, oh, if you if you're going through a neighborhood and there's like you know, factories and, and empty storefronts and stuff and the windows are broken and nobody's fixed them, nobody cares. It's an indicator that that it's okay to to do that. You know, it's okay to have a, a thing run down and then it just gets worse and worse. And by fixing those little problems, it's that, you know, a stitch in time saves nine mentality. Uh there's a you know research that disputes that to some degree. And it also is all these things are massively uh, variable, dependent on on cultures. That, that's that's a really big thing. But there's an opposite of this that I've never heard anybody talk about, and it really is what you're talking about, where it's like the positive thing. Instead of a broken window, it is uh, this one little positive thing that can lead to much more. It's like, oh, somebody actually washed their windows. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is the same idea, but the mirror image of that. Uh, you know, there's this pay it forward movement when that movie came out and, and, you know, that's a, it turned into a thing that's on the scale of live, laugh, love. Uh, you know, now the best treatment of it is, um, oh, what's that, that show that you like with the, uh, the eating the eggs on the Tim, uh, I think you should leave. I think you should leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the scene where where he, you know, pays it forward in the drive-through and then zooms around to order like 55 meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I, I don't know much about that stuff. I, I don't know. I never bought into this idea that you you do like a purposeless random act of kindness. I mean, it 
it's obviously a good thing, but it's not solving a problem, right? It's not, it's not, it's not solving a problem. That's how I would put it. Whereas, I think that's like a vanity way. It's like a vanity version of what we're yeah. talking about, where you kind of like feel like you helped out and you did a good it, deed, but it's like really hollow. <laughs> It's more about you. It is. Than, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's always felt really weird to me. Uh, but something that has grated at me for a long time is, is uh, essentially the bystander effect. Um, this is, is that, you know, really the more people in proximity to a problem, uh, the less likely any one of them is to help. Um, that's another thing that's been disputed and varies culturally and all of that. But I had, I had an instance, uh, in the summer of 2001, I was on, I was waiting for a train in London in the, in the tube. And I saw a guy collapse on the other side of the tracks and nobody did anything. They, they kind of backed away and, you know, I'm seeing this, I don't know, a hundred feet away, whatever. And not, nothing happens at all. So I walked up the stairs, you know, there's like an overpass so you can get to the other side. Mm -hmm. Right. So I do that and I go down there and I go to the guy. So you can imagine how long that takes me still. Nobody has helped him. And it, it, it turned out to be just like a, a heat stroke kind of thing. You know, it was hot as hell down there and the guy had kind of passed out and, and whatever, but you don't know that until you get close to him, get a sense of it. It very well could have been a heart attack. You know, and then uh, I actually hadn't been in the country very long, and so I didn't know these things. But I was like, "There's got to be a, a phone somewhere, right, to call the tube police or whatever you have here." <laughs> the tube bobbies. <laughs> yeah, this was before cell phones. You know, everybody had them, uh, so it wasn't a you know pull out my phone and call nine one one thing. Well, I didn't even know the phone number to call there nine nine nine. I think it is. Uh, but I didn't know. So I, I'm like the least prepared person to help. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm literally a clueless foreigner uh, who waited like two minutes to, to get. Yeah. And that bothered the hell out of me. I've never gotten over that. It's been 22 years. And I am so, I think so little of all those people who did not even like walk up to the guy and poke him with a stick. <laughs> Like that's all you had to do was get a sense of what the problem was and then call, you know, grab the, the bat phone on the wall and nobody did it. And I didn't know at the time what the bystander effect was, um, but that seared something into me. Uh, I mean, I, I always like I'd been raised with the sense that if there's an opportunity to, to help people, you take that opportunity. This is on you. You have a responsibility, whatever. So I, I was pointed in that, that direction. Um, but that one absolutely seared it into my mind where I'm like, if there is any opportunity, I will, I, I will do this because I cannot count on anybody else to do even the most basic right thing. Uh, and, you know, I've been like a, a serious interventionist since then. And I, I'm uncomfortable talking about this. So I'm not trying to make it sound like I I'm, you know, walking around places, uh, doing charity works and fighting crime. Right. Um, Ripping off your shirt to reveal the S underneath. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this for the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com/easy. ramp.com/easy. r a m p.com/easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Right. Uh, but it's crazy in some of the more serious situations I have encountered uh, just apathy toward it. Whether it did, did I did I tell you about the the robbery in Wales? Nope. I don't think so. Your hat or a, di- a different robbery? <laughs> no, no. I, okay, yeah. No, no, no. You didn't tell me what yeah. this other robbery was. No, the thing that uh, uh, Kevin's referring to with the hat, I had a, a little bit of a run-in with the Romani who who like to think of other people's belongings as their own sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, was, I was walking to kind of the main drag uh, in Cardiff and Wales. And I, there's a, a school that's, that was quite small, uh, a language school. And as I was walking by it, somebody in like black sweatpants and a black hoodie runs out of, of the building with one of those, you know, the, like the metal cash boxes, like at a concession stand. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you would use those metal cash boxes for like raffles and carnivals yeah. and yeah, right. Yeah, the, they're always a putty color. F- flea markets. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, he's got this under his arm, and you know I can hear changing it, shaking too, and he's running. It, th- this is obviously not the way it's supposed to go. You know, I, I don't know what's happening here, uh, but you know, clearly you don't run out of a, a thing dressed shady carrying a cash box and have it be legit. And I ran after him down an alley uh, and he got over a stone wall, but he had to choose between, do I pull myself up over the stone wall or do I uh, drop the cash box? And you know, he needed both hands for that. So he got away, but the cash box, I recovered that. And I went back and they, they were like, you shouldn't have done that. Like they, they, they were angry with me that I did this and and like kind of annoyed. And I was like, well, uh, I'll wait here. You know, when the police get here, I can do the report. We're we're not calling them. This is the third time this has happened. Uh, So they did not call the police about it to report it. Like I, everything about this pissed me off, but yeah, they were truly annoyed. And And I'm like, what? Is this how it works? Like somebody can just come in and, you know, hold you up or whatever. And you're like, well, you know, he could have had a knife. Jesus. Like they did not want to be helped. They didn't want it. And they were annoyed by it. And I, I just remember so distinct. I was really out of breath and I was wearing boots too, which are not great for running. Um, And I had to have some water. I got out of one of those little, you know, cone cups. 
mm-hmm. you know, in the dispenser there. And I'm like, I'm going to slurp my cone of water and then get the hell out of here because I am so angry. Now, did they think that it wasn't worth it to you because you could have gotten hurt? Did they think it that this would cause further retribution on them because the guy, you know, was thwarted? What exactly were they angry about? Did they even understand why they were angry? Or they've just like mysteriously upset? Did it embarrass them that they were robbed and that you took care of it and they didn't? Like, what are, what are the scenarios here? I don't know. The only one that I remember distinctly was that they were upset that I had, you know, put myself at risk. Okay. And I don't know if that was a liability issue or what. I, I don't know. Uh, but that was another moment where I'm like, okay, you, the United Kingdom as a race are broken. <laughs> you deserve every awful meme about you. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, those two incidents have had like an indelible mark for me where nobody else is going to do it. You can't trust anybody else to do it. That is. Um, and even if you help it, there's a very good chance that it's either received, you know, as like a zero, there's nothing good or bad about it. There's a shrug or it's actually a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that spectrum exists and it, it shouldn't, you wouldn't, you'd think it wouldn't need to exist. It absolutely exists. Your guy with the car was way on one end of the spectrum. He was super grateful. It was a great help to him. This school that got robbed was on the other end of the spectrum and they were annoyed that they got their money back. Yeah. It was surreal. It was surreal, but it was very important in terms of my understanding of what reality is with helping. Yeah. Well, that is important and it is complex. And I think, you know, ultimately I think people need to decide, you know, where that they want to be on that spectrum. Um, one thing that I, I also kind of want to circle back to is just this, this sort of captain disillusion idea or you mowing the lawn idea or, you know, checking on this collapsed person in the tubes idea. And it's, you know, and I also wanted to bring in like the COVID essential workers idea into this. Cause to me, it falls under the same sort of concept where there are a lot of people who just think someone else will do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone else oh, yeah, will do yeah. it. Right. Like, okay, I can stay like during COVID, I could stay home and the quote unquote essential workers, well, they will continue to, you know, like pick up the garbage and like stock the shelves at the grocery store and, you know, transfer goods and deliver food. They'll, they'll do that. Them, those people. That's right. Not me. Like I, I don't have to, I don't have to contribute. I can just receive. (laughs) And it's like, well, at some point, not everyone can just receive because there's, Oh, that's nothing works that way and never can. It never can work that way. There are always people that have to do things and have to contribute. And the question is, are you one of those people or not? Do you want to be? And what is it that you want to contribute? If so, it's, it's really much harder now than it, than it used to be, uh, because almost everything is faceless. It didn't even used to be a question. That's why it's an interesting topic to me. It didn't even used to right. be a question. 
you had to contribute regardless of whether you wanted to or not, right? Yeah, and you knew um you knew everybody who was doing everything. And it, it it's not even uh it's oh, something popped. We have a weather alert. Uh it's not even a city thing where it's faceless. You know, if you watch any any film that shows a city of any age, you know, even a couple decades ago, um, the sub neighborhoods within a city, I, you you knew who was there. Everybody was going to you know the same butcher, <laughs> you know, they were going to the same drugstore, all of that. So even maybe a million people in this city, but in your little community, you know, your your few blocks, everybody kind of knows what everybody else is doing. Um, this is something that I expected to see. I've, I've had my fingers on the pulse of this. Try that in a small town, Jason Aldean debate, uh, just because I'm curious to see if anybody makes this point. And so far, I haven't seen it where the very big difference uh, is that when anything happens in a small community, whether it's a small town or a neighborhood within a city, you know who did it. You know that person and you can put a face and a name to, for example, somebody's property that you're you're destroying it, it's not uh, a cvs that is one of a thousand in your city you know it, there's a personal connection there uh that both sides know and that alters the calculus completely you know it, it completely changes uh how people do and don't act um i mean i have you know i'm saying this but i have virtually no interaction with the people around me I, I get interrupted by an Amazon alert two minutes ago because, you know, I get almost everything delivered to me. Um, that's totally different than 20 or 30 years ago. You know, even I do not interface with the people around me the way it was done in the past. Uh, so when you have this facelessness and anonymity all the time, well, then you care even less. You care even less. You know, and it's so easy to help when you know somebody, you, you know who they are, you know, they need help. Um, it's easy to think it's somebody else's responsibility, whether it's just, just plain somebody else, the next person who drives by or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a, a government thing, you know, the town will take care of it. The city will take care of it, whatever, uh, it's getting easier. Uh, and I think that reduces the incentive or the, the impetus, not the incentive, but like that thing that pushes you to think I'm going to intervene and do something about this, even if it's little. So, so I don't really like the path that, you know, that we're going down on this, where it's much more likely that somebody is going to put a, a hashtag in their Twitter bio or have the Ukrainian flag, despite, I don't know, having skimmed the Wikipedia article on Ukraine once. Uh, and say, I'm helping and then drive by somebody who actually does need their help. You know, I was at, I was at the hardware stores like five, six, seven years ago and it was a weekend. I wasn't doing anything. I, I forget what I bought, but it was something dumb and small. And I walked back to my car and this guy was loading paving bricks, like for a driveway, you know, they're little onto his car. Uh, I was like, well, how many of these bricks are you getting? And he said 400 or something like that. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. This is going to take you forever. Let me just transfer them. I mean, it was just putting them in his car, you know, and it was one of those things where it's like four hands, good, two hands worse. <laughs> 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 I'm like, 
you know, like you can sit here for 20 minutes in this with this mundane task or, you know, I can do it with you for five minutes and, you know, you're on your way. And he you would have thought that I'd like donated a kidney to save his dying mother. Like, no, man, this is like a couple minutes of moving some bricks. Like, I kind of want to go home. <laughs> and I remember saying, like, can I buy you a beer? I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> I was like. I was like, I, I thinking like, I wouldn't have helped if I knew that I had to talk to you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, how that stuff is like, you know, your guy at Lowe's, you're going to remember that forever. And in a way that's amazing. On the other hand, it shouldn't be nearly as rare as it was for you. No, no. And the reason for that, at least in my estimation, I've, and I've always thought this, I've always thought this is like, you're at work anyway. And uh, yeah. do you, do you know like how much quicker the day goes by when you're just busy and helping people rather than staring at the clock and being angry and lamenting the fact that you're stuck at work when you should be at home doing whatever it is you actually want to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're there anyway. So why not do like keep yourself busy, be useful, help people and make the day go faster. And meanwhile, you're contributing a tiny, 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 tiny bit of positivity to the world. Yes, it makes a difference. Those are the options. And the other options is to be mopey and annoyed and angry and bitter and resentful and a jerk. (laughs) And making things worse, or at least keeping him them at the same crappy level. Like those, it right, really those nothing. are the options. Yeah, which is better? Why? Why? Why would you choose? Even if it's just doing nothing, there's nothing negative, but it's just standing there. Why would you choose that? You know, why? Why would you want it that way? I mean, uh, this it, this is really tough for me to understand uh, because I don't see why people aren't processing kind of every moment. As like a little micro point where they can make a decision because that's truly how things work. Like every step. Well, if there's like a can on the ground, you have this little fork in the road in your brain where it's, do I take steps past it and keep taking steps or do I stop and pick up the can? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, you know, proselytizing for a children's show. Where it's like, oh, be a good citizen, pick up the litter. No, it's not that. It's like recognizing that there's a thing to do and you can do it or not. Well, there's always forget a, the can. A thing it's, to do. it's you driving down the road and you can either mow the grass on the side of the road or just drive down the road. Or just drive. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. like a much better example. And on, on one hand, you could just drive down the road and improve nothing about your local world. Or the or on the other hand, you could just pull over to the grass. And flip on the blade <laughs> and mow the thing. Right. And now you've made, you know, a little nice little improvement to the area for you and for other people. It gives you something to feel good about. It makes you happy and it, other people notice. Do you remember, this must be 10 years ago now, if not longer, uh, when, the, when everything Barack Obama said was like a world changer, uh, but one of them was like, be the change you want to see in the world. I remember, remember that this? phrase. I, I, I don't remember that that was like an Obama phrase, but I, I do remember that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he relayed it or coined it. I, I don't know. But when he started saying it, it became quite popular. And then all the all the people who, who tout that phrase seem to not do anything ever. 
they seem to be angry about how other people are or are not changing the world. And they're the least likely to pick up the can on the side of the road. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I'm not trying to get into a tangent on this, but the people I know who help all the time, they never say anything about it. My dad was like this, extremely generous and helpful and whatever. And you would, you would never know it. My mom as well, where, you know, you'd hear about it. So, you know, somebody would say something to you months and months later because, you know, they never, all the people who are helpful just shut the hell up and help. That's, that's the pattern. And I don't know why that is, but they just do what they do and get on with it. And the ones who, who talk about charity and selflessness and all of this, they, they're do nothing zilches. The, the talking about it is what they do. Yeah. That is that is their help, isn't it? Yeah, that they <laughs> that is, think that that's helping. It's just talking about uh, it and just trying to make other people help. Here, here is how other people could be helpful. Yeah. This, this is my contribution: is pointing out how other people should do things, and that's yeah. what I will do. You know, um, and there's a big, big difference between just talking about anything and actually doing anything. And it's not just about, uh, you know, being helpful. We've talked about this when it comes to creative projects and YouTube. It's like, okay, you have a great idea for your YouTube mm -hmm. channel or your TikTok. Oh, that's so cool. Are you doing it? <laughs> because that's actually yeah. all that matters. That's actually all that matters. The idea barely matters. The thing matters. It's true. Doing the, the thing is what matters. Right. The good intentions in the you know, I believe in X, Y, or Z because that's a good thing to believe. Uh, Chinchilla popped, uh, you know, the virtue signaling hashtag in there. You know, we've seen quite a lot of that over the years. None of that stuff matters at all. Absolutely zero. It's fake. No one cares. It's, it's, fake. it's fake. No one cares except the, the people who are as much of a boner as you are. Right. Who are also doing the same self-reinforcing thing. And what matters is, like Kevin said, you got this great idea, make the video. You want to help somebody do something, just just go and do it. <laughs> it all comes down to uh the thoughts behind it and whatever don't don't matter. They just don't. They're no, they're worthless. They're worthless. And 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 fake. And I think a lot of things are just fake now. And um yes. no one's really talking about how fake a lot of what people spend their time doing is. <sighs> It's this is such a big one, and I know that we need to talk about it soon, but I don't know how to limit the thing. Uh, but there's so much fakery in omission, in uh, just plain cherry picking, uh, in such a way that, that the result is fiction. It's not like, oh, we're going to put the thumb on the scales a little tiny bit here. Like, no, I'm going to pull a couple parts out and construct something that has no basis in reality at all. That's that's very bad. It's very bad when people think that the uh, fictional is the way reality is. I saw a meme yesterday. It might have been one from Dr. Charles Kahn. Um, I have a hard time keeping track of this, but but the meme was, you know, like uh, what Twitter tells you. And it's like somebody saying, you know, we're on the precipice of civil war or something like that. And it's like what the world is actually like. And it's a, a montage of just people barbecuing and having a good time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's one of those instances where like that, that Twitter person sincerely believes in that reality. They're not, 
they're not hysterical in the sense that they're blowing something out of report. No, they really truly believe that's what things are like. Um, so yeah, it's the little tiny thing. Like I can't control how half of Twitter processes the world, but I can control all these opportunities to be useful. They're right there. And I either do the thing or I don't do the thing. Yeah. And the couple of big things that I just want to wrap up are, are, you know, if you don't do it, who will is something is that that's a question to really keep in mind kind of with everything. It's like, if you don't do this thing, who's going to, because, you know, I used Captain Disillusion as an example, but that's the, been the motivation behind everything I've created for, you know, over a decade now is it's like, well, if I don't, I have this idea, if I don't make it, no one else will do it. And is that true? Like all encompassingly? No, I mean, there's, there's certainly like a bit of hubris involved in that thought process, but at the same time, um, I think pragmatically it is true that if, you know, if you don't do it, you'll do it your way. If you do, no one else can do what you were going to do your own way. Only you can. And then the other thing I want to sum up is just this idea of how rare it is to be like unflinchingly helpful to people and that everyone listening to this has an opportunity to do so at some scale. You know, it could be a very tiny scale. It could be a very big scale. I would suggest starting at very tiny scale because uh, big scale is kind of tough when you're talking about anything. But it's on the table. It is on the table and it's a choice. And it's a choice that will come up every single day in little ways. And it's like that fork in the road that you mentioned, Matt. It's like, there's a fork, you go left, you go right. What are you going to choose? That's it. All right. Yeah. We're done. We're done. We're, we'll be back next week. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. If you want to uh, become a patron, go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. See you next week. See you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan the Latch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Chelksies, and, of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.